Something almost all teachers across all career stages think about is how to motivate the students in their program. So it's not just a new teacher issue. Teacher beliefs about student motivation. That's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas. Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Amber Rice and Amanda Bowling, thank you so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you guys for having us on. So it's always exciting to have high quality people like yourselves here with us on Owl Pellets. It's even better when you've been here before and you've come back. So we didn't scare you off and you aren't completely embarrassed by being associated with us. That, that really warms my heart. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Amber's like, I'm withholding judgment. Don't screw this up. <laughs> oh, they were hoping the first time was just a fluke. They're expecting more the second time. Uh, we're all about low expectations here. Um, so Amber and Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, where you guys are now, what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Yeah. So I'll kick it off. Uh, so I'm Amanda Bowling. I'm an assistant professor in the agricultural communication, education, and leadership department at the Ohio state university. Um, I am a former high school ag teacher of six years from um, central Missouri, and I am happy to be with you guys today to, to share some of our research. My name is Amber Rice, and I am at the University of Arizona. This is year four here. Um, I also do teacher preparation and very excited to, to share some of our, our findings today. Terrific. So why don't you why don't you give us a little overview and summary of the, the work that uh, we're going to be talking about today? Sure. Um, I would say we were really interested in this concept of how teachers can conceptualize student motivation and really wanted to explore uh, the student motivation beliefs of ag teachers. And so we did a qualitative study where we got to interview and meet with uh, 37 high school teachers from across the nation. So central, northern, eastern, and western teachers at all the various career stages. So early career, just starting out, mid-career in that 8 to 15 years, and then late career, that 30-plus year stage. And so we got to do some really cool focus groups with them to see how do these beliefs uh, conceptualize themselves? How do they change over the course of their careers? That sounds awesome. So we're going to talk about the student's motivation, right? Not the, not the teacher's motivation, but the student motivation. So what did you find out? What was the big finding here? Because I'm sure everybody said students are so highly motivated that a teacher doesn't have to do anything. The kids just come in all the time ready to learn. So um, one of the big, big kind of they were, they were taking it back and like, what the hell is he yeah. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, who's going to take it? All that kind of stuff. Um, well, one of the big pieces um, that we really walked away from was kind of across career stages, teachers were still trying to figure it out. Um, 
they were all over the board around what motivated students and how to motivate students. Um, a lot of their beliefs uh, looked at, well, how am I motivated? Or, you know, what's worked over years and years of practice? Um, or the, the kind of really um, catching thing was, well, what did my ag teacher do? Even 30 or 40 years into the profession, uh, we had our late career folks where a lot of it went back to what worked for me and what my ag teacher did when I was in high school. Uh, so I, that was some interesting pieces around where those beliefs are coming from and that you saw how they talked about, well, I believe this, I believe X, so I motivate because of X. Um, and some of them were, their beliefs were all over the place. And so they were using motivational strategies that literally included the kitchen sink. They were literally throwing everything that they could think of at the students because their beliefs weren't necessarily um, concrete. And so I would think that was one of the big things. It's, um, you know, you think, well, motivating students is easy. They're here every day and it, it's truly not. And, and the teachers really told us that. You know, I think that's super interesting. Uh, the fact that the extent to which, um, you know, teachers are looking back at their um, own high school experiences and their own teachers. And I think that probably has some implications kind of going forward as we think about those opportunities. And, and in a couple ways, uh, one, um, the implications uh, that it has on what what we do as current teachers, um, but I also think uh, maybe a little bit on. Um, I think we're seeing a a larger group of uh, uh, teachers that are coming in that may not have had their own high school experiences. So maybe talk about those two paradigms a little bit uh, related to the implications that you found um, with this part of the study. I think it tells us that we're always being watched. Um, you know, as high school ag teachers, they're they're modeling um, based on what we do as high school ag teachers. They are taking that information in and then adjusting it for their specific context. But it's amazing how much of an influence that has. And even for us as teacher educators, how we need to really make sure that we address motivation, both intrinsically and extrinsically, and give them strategies and skills to try to to do that is the world continues to change. And we had a lot of conversations with teachers about how things are changing over the course of their career and how they're having to motivate students differently as, as times change. When they talked about having to motivate students differently, what, what do they mention about that in your, in your study? Or is it, I mean, how did you keep that to be a productive conversation? Cause I know all of us around the, the tailgate sometimes cannot be the most positive in there. So how, how did that, that whole conversation go? The, the teachers really focused on um, almost taking a, a differentiated or individualized approach with every single student every single day. Um, and they acknowledged the fact that, A, they weren't quite sure how everyone was motivated, but B, they knew that if they did everything, that all the students would probably be motivated at some point. Um, but that's really where they started talking about uh, just the sheer amount of effort and strategies and time that took. And that's where it gets really 
I, I think daunting when you look at student motivation is, yeah, folks are motivated differently. Um, so it's less on how do I use every single motivation strategy I have, but what works the best for large groups. And that's where our late career, um, our, our, our late career folks came in and really talked about being more student-centered, letting student interests dictate what they did in the classroom or the FFA or the SAE. Um, and it really honed in on how do the students help guide what we do rather than the teacher just being like, here's every motivational strategy I could ever think of every single day. I think at the heart of it was this um, fostering these mutual caring relationships. And even across the three career stages, we saw this um, emerge that they knew that having that relationship, getting to know the students, the privilege that we have with FFA and SAE in our intracurricular uh, discipline, we're able to get to know them on a different level, sometimes over multiple years, and how that becomes a huge factor in how we're able to use that differentiated instruction to motivate each student. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I found it was very interesting here, and you know we're all shaped by our recent our recent events, and so we're in the middle of student teaching season down here in Florida. So I just came back doing some student teacher visits and had the conversation. It seems like I have with so many of our our high top student teachers, understanding student motivation that not every student in that classroom is motivated the same way they are. And I, and I and I look at them, and maybe based off your study, maybe I'm wrong. I look at these folks and go, "And you're ex of the oddball." You were excited about ag. You were excited about going to school. You were excited about this stuff. Typically, the average student in that class is not going to be as excited about ag and FFA as you were because you made this your career. And so, how do you know? Based on all the findings you talked about through the career stages, what advice do you have for for all of our teachers to understanding that you know we probably are the odd one that we got excited about school based ag because we became teachers, and so not every student in our class is that same way, and some of them are there because their choice was horticulture one or chemistry nine. I mean, that was all the choices they had third period. So how do you, how do you help those teachers through all that? Well, I'm going to piggyback off of what Amber just discussed. Really, it's building relationships with the students. Um, that's, that's the number one uh, takeaway as far as what made teachers successful on motivating students. It's building relationships. It's getting to know the students. It's getting to know their interests, their likes, their dislikes. Um, what they enjoy, um, you know, what what gets them to school, if it's grades, if it's, um, you know, learning, if it's being with friends, uh, really that honed down, regardless of career stage, what really allowed teachers to motivate students. Um, and then thinking uh, some additional strategies, we looked at our, our early career and our late career folks very heavily focused on engaging the students in the decision-making process, letting their interest and their needs dictate what was going on, but they did it for two very different reasons. And and I think that's an interesting aspect of this. Um, When we looked at this, the early careers were what we were calling in chaos control. They 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 were new and they were just controlling the chaos. But they let the students' interest control the motivation and help them control the chaos to where the late career teachers focused a lot more on 
societal and generational differences that they were having a harder time developing relationships. But they knew they had to, so they almost started a little bit in reverse, engaging the student interest and their needs to develop the relationship, and then it became kind of cyclical that the relationship was developed so they could unpack those needs and and interests even more. Um, And the the middle career folks were the ones that kind of, they still had the strong relationships, but almost threw that aside because they felt like, now I know who I am as an educator. So now what motivates me motivates them. So it's a really weird dynamic in all of that. Um, but, But the big you know, strategies, what can we do? How do we do this? Really boils down to those relationships. I think it's also important to note that, you know, our our late career teachers, they were really engaging in all three parts of the three circle model and use that to their advantage to motivate students. It's like they finally brought all three parts together and they had this phenomenal overlap. And that was really impactful in their classrooms in getting those students to be motivated. And I think, you know, it shows with everything Amanda said that we have a lot to learn from each other. If those early career and late career can have those conversations about societal difference, if we can look at how do we move from one stage to another so that we can all get to that where all three parts of the three circle model overlapped and are really the most impactful for student motivation. I think that's where where we make an impact because, you know, professional development and some of the things that we have towards this just shows that we can contribute as a community. Because one of the findings that we found that surprised all of us was there was no regional differences. So it didn't matter if you were in the Northern, Eastern, Central, Western, it was all about where you were at at the time in your career, but there wasn't any difference based on where you were located. And that just shows how much commonality we have and how important networking and talking with other individuals really is. I think those are a couple of great points that, that both of you just mentioned, because as I was looking at the, the paper, the fact that this was a, a study that you looked at multiple regions and you were able to uh, distill down that there was really no regional differences had a significant impact. And we can talk about the profession uh, very widely, and and then the second thing is when you when you talked about the various uh, stages of of uh, careers, where the the chaos control versus teacher control versus the student focused pieces, I think those might be uh, for the teachers that are listening, depending on the stages that they're in and how reflective they are, could be some aha moments. And I really like the fact that. Uh, a lot of times we go through stages in life and we really don't know what's expecting. And I think this work really helps us to understand how we're going to transition as a teacher, uh, especially around this area of motivation. And, and uh, Amber, you did a nice job of tying back in this idea of professional development that people in these various stages can certainly uh, help and support one another based upon where they're at and, 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 where they're, they add value to the, the profession as a whole. So I think that was uh, a good, good perspective and some good work. Where do you guys see, as they're going through the stages, some of it seems to me like maybe a teacher confidence. Did you guys see that coming into any play with the teachers? It seems like these early career teachers, they're not confident in themselves. So there's like, as long as nobody gets dead or pregnant, we're going to mark that up in the win column. <laughs> 
And then we're going to work our way through to the mid-career folks that are feeling more confident in themselves. And I have all the answers because, you know, I remember, believe this or not, I can remember a time when in my life when I thought I knew everything. And then about the time I, about the time I turned 20, my dad got a whole lot smarter. It was amazing how that all happened. Um, and then it, the later career teachers, as they're beginning trying to find ways to reconnect, they're very confident in their ability to teach, but they learn, they're confident enough to know that, hey, I need to learn how to re-engage with, with the students in this age gap to there. So did you, did, did you see that when you were talking with the teachers and how do they navigate through that, that those, all of those things to, 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 to uh, really apply these motivational strategies? Yeah, I mean, I would say you actually summed it up pretty good. Yes. Um, I, I, I mean, the the early career were really in that chaos stage, um, and they they were very open about identifying it. Uh, and we saw how they kind of coped with this idea of I I, I quite frankly don't know what I'm doing every day. Um, I don't quite know how to motivate students. I'm still kind of working through lessons and methods and everything else that we juggle as, as early career teachers. Um, and they were op- very open to the fact that um, because they didn't have the confidence, um, they flipped the script and, and let the students guide. And um, the very interesting part of that is when we look at teacher preparation and, and uh, teacher education research, that's very different from what we've seen in other studies. Uh, it comes out uh, typically those first one to three or one to five years, teachers are very teacher-centered. It's all about me. It's all about um, what I know and how do I get my information out. And what we saw when you hone in on strictly motivation and kind of away from the context of larger education, but honing in strictly on student motivation, they just didn't know. So there couldn't be any teacher control. And so they really just used the students, um, did a lot of, they talked about doing some needs assessments um, and really talked about just sitting down with them through SAE visits at FFA meetings and getting to know the students so they can help help in the motivational process. And then you almost see a, a really big spike in teacher confidence that mid-career. They were like, we got this. I know who I am as an educator. I, I have my almost teacher persona down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually asked all of our participants to kind of describe yourself as a teacher. And you saw in the mid-career folks there was no hesitation. They were like, this is who I am. And they had no um, qualms about who they were. If, if they were kind of more, more strict in the classroom, that's who they were. And they were very upfront about it. Um, so you could see that confidence in the interview. And that confidence came out in the strategies they used. It was very much, this motivates me. So this is going to work for them. And so they used very uh, teacher-centered strategies where in previous research, we would expect them to start sifting more towards student strategies. So it's very almost upside down of what research has told us in the past. Um, And then when we move to our late career, they're confident in the classroom. They're confident with FFA and SAE. And that's where... That was the one group that was truly able to talk about an intercurricular program 
rather than just focusing on one or two circles or focusing on all three circles, but being more disconnected, they had the confidence and the ability to employ strategies that connected classroom and FFA and SAE, but where they started to lack confidence is their ability to understand and connect with students a little bit more personally, just seeing that that age gap start to create a, a lack of efficacy there. Um, so it's almost this interesting bell curve of, of confidence that I don't know that we saw before. You know, that's excellent. So as we as we talk a little bit and we have a lot of ag teachers that are in the classroom uh, uh, as practicing teachers right now, what are one or two or three kind of take home messages or recommendations to them um, in relation to kind of the findings of your study that they could kind of go and either help them as a uh, as a professional or help them in the classroom uh, based upon your findings? I think sometimes it's nice to just know you're normal. And if you're going through um, that chaos control, you're focusing on the classroom to start with um, because that's what you can do at the time, but that's okay. Those other parts will come. You still need to you know, engage with teachers at different stages than you to start to develop and move from one stage to another, but it's okay to be where you're at. It's okay to not have all the answers all the time because no one has all the answers and students change. Um, they've changed since I was in the classroom and since all of us were in the high school classroom and they change at the college level too. And so we have to be willing to pivot and to rethink maybe how we're motivating some of our students. I love, there's two things about that I love. Number one, and I want this in writing, Amber said I was normal. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear that. I, mean, I didn't I hear that. That's not what she said. <laughs> I was normal. It's okay. And number two, that was the nicest way. So you started to have that comment and looked at the screen and saw me and you, Mike, on here and didn't call us old. She That's just right. said some people had more experience than others. <laughs> well, I, really, I really appreciated that. So I am, I am normal and I'm not old. So that's what I've learned so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone to tell me that I'm normal. That's what I'm waiting for. Normal. <laughs> the other thing I think about this is, you know, Again, you're in the you're in the midst, and and we're all in here at Teacher Ed programs. We're trying. How do we prepare folks for this job to be a teacher? And 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 their confidence is low sometimes because there's so much. You, I mean, the good part is there's so much you can teach as an ag teacher. The challenging part is there's so much to teach as an ag teacher. How do you you know everywhere from plant biotech to welding to electricity to soils to all of it to animals and that kind of thing. So I think that's part of it. But the good news here is these teachers, and we can tell our, our, our early career teachers, there is a way to get through this. There's a way to still motivate your teachers to engage, to their, their students to do that, to, to engage them in that whole process. The other part is, as teachers, things are going to change. What you figure out that works in your first three to four years isn't going to work necessarily work in years five, six, seven. And you're always going to have to be growing and changing. And so often we, you know, we just don't want, we want to yell, well, these dang kids these days. Well, well, no, because not only are the kids different, but you're different. Because believe it or not, ag teachers are people too. And Absolutely. we all change and grow over time as well. And so that's, I found that is the real interesting point of this whole study is, yes, teachers, you are normal. Even I am, according to Amber. <laughs> I, have it, I have it in writing. 
Uh, that, see, that warms my heart. <laughs> um, and, and continue to find ways to connect. And, and it all boils down to this relationship piece. How do you have positive, nurturing relationships with the, with the students that we get to work with every day? And that's the impact we can have as ag teachers. And not only that impact we're helping them then, but those future, those that become ag teachers down the road, that's having impacts 5, 10, 20, 30 years later with them as well. This is, this is fantastic stuff. Thank you guys so much for sharing with us today. So Amanda from the Ohio State University, I'll get this right. And then I heard this from, so at Amber, the University of Arizona, I'm just from the University of Florida, this, this part over here. Thank you guys so much for being with us today here on Alpella. This is great stuff. We look forward to the conversation we're going to have online, the infographic, find the resources that are going to be shared uh, about this podcast as well. And if you've got more questions about uh, motivation, going through these career stages, wherever you are, uh, just contact uh, Amber and Amanda via email and, and connect with them. They're, they're a wealth of resources and are doing great stuff at both of their institutions. So, guys, thank you so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.